Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. At one point, the thermometer read 124 degrees and was just unbelievably hot. But we kept pressing on, and I would go to that church, even though we weren't given permission, I would go to that church and sit on the steps of that church and pray, God, please show us how to reach these people. And I would do this day after day. For four months, I sat there praying, and pretty soon the Hindus and the Muslims went to this small group of Christians in the town and said, why don't you let this guy open the church? He comes here every day to pray. And through a miraculous series of events, the church was broken into and opened, and we happened to be going by just after the police had come to check out the church and to see what had happened. And then they said, well, the church is open now. Why don't you open it for worship? And I was just thrilled. We spent about a week fixing it up, knocking all the plaster that was falling off the ceiling and off the walls and cleaning it out. The church had not been open for over 25 years, and people were happy to see it being open. And so we had a, a grand opening, grand reopening ceremony, and people crowded in to see what was going on in this house of worship, the house of prayer for all peoples is what we called it. And over the course of the next several years, we watched God do incredible miracles in that house of prayer. We wanted to fix it up and put electricity in and put fans in because it got very, very hot in India. So I went to the people who actually own the structure. That was from another church organization, and I went to see the leader of that group. And when he found out that we were affiliated with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he told us to get out of the building. Hello, my name is John Baxter from Adventist Frontier Missions, and I'm glad to be with you today. I'm going to tell you the story of how our family ended up moving to a little town in northern India and stayed there until they chased us out. The title of this story is Repairing the Breach and Rebuilding the Church. My wife and I had been married for one month, and she knew before she married me I'd been praying for several years about becoming a missionary, and specifically to be a missionary to India. And I came into the bedroom with tears streaming down my face, having been praying. And my wife looked at me and said, we're going to India, aren't we? And I said, yes, we need to go now. She knew that I had been praying for this little town in northern India called Mirzapur in Uttar Pradesh. And Uttar Pradesh is actually the largest province or state in India by population. It's about the size of Michigan, but it has 210 million people in it. That alone, right there, two-thirds the population of the United States, that makes that state in India the fifth largest country in the world by population. Well, just as we were planning on going to visit, India erupted in violence. Hindus were attacking Muslims, Muslims were attacking Hindus, and so we were praying, Lord, should we go now? What should we do? And I need to know what your will is. I don't want to put us at risk unnecessarily, but I want to move forward in faith, not fear. So we were praying. We bought our airline tickets on faith and praying and praying. And finally, three days before we were to go, I was up most of the night praying when God made it clear through his word, the Bible, that we were to go. And so we got on an airplane and we flew over to India and we traveled around from Bombay, Mumbai, down to Pune, over to Madras, down to Madurai, up to Calcutta, then across to Ranchi, and then into this town that I'd been praying for for several years now, Mirzapur. 
We got there. We didn't know anybody. We didn't speak the language. We just knew that there were people in this town that needed to know about the love of Jesus. So we stayed there and we looked around praying that God would guide us. And we ended up right in the center of town. And there was an abandoned old church building built in the 1800s. And my wife and I stood there praying on the steps of that church. God, if you want us to come back to restore this church to be a house of worship for your name's sake, please show us what we're supposed to do. That was a challenging day for us, but we decided to move forward in faith. We ended up meeting with the mayor of the town and his wife, and we told him what we were doing there. And keep in mind that this county had 1.7 million people in it, only 352 Christians, and there were no Seventh-day Adventist Christians. So when we went to the mayor's house, we weren't sure what to expect, but we sat down and told them that we'd been praying for their town. We want to come and help the people with their health problems, with different issues in the community, and to tell them about the love of Jesus. And we were very surprised when the mayor's wife said, Praise the Lord, Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he sent you here to help us. And miraculously, the mayor and his wife were very cordial. They had said that the church we had seen in the center of town, if we were to come back, they would let us use that church at no charge. And then they would give us a place to stay for no charge. We were just thrilled that God had led in this way. So we came back to the United States and started packing up our things, looking for an organization that we could serve with. And we're so grateful that Adventist Frontier Missions accepted our project. And within just a matter of six months, we were back in India, getting ready to share the gospel. We had to learn the language. We had a lot to learn about the culture. And we had a lot to learn about how to respond to people. As it turns out, the mayor and his wife were expecting us to bring some money for them, which we weren't in a position to do. So the church wasn't open to us, and the place that we stayed in was not fixed up. It was quite an ordeal. At one point, the thermometer read 124 degrees and was just unbelievably hot. But we kept pressing on, and I would go to that church, even though we weren't given permission, I would go to that church and sit on the steps of that church and pray, God, please show us how to reach these people. And I would do this day after day. For four months, I sat there praying, and pretty soon the Hindus and the Muslims went to this small group of Christians in the town and said, why don't you let this guy open the church? He comes here every day to pray. And through a miraculous series of events, the church was broken into and opened, and we happened to be going by just after the police had come to check out the church and to see what had happened. And then they said, well, the church is open now. Why don't you open it for worship? And I was just thrilled. We spent about a week fixing it up, knocking all the plaster that was falling off the ceiling and off the walls and cleaning it out. The church had not been open for over 25 years, and people were happy to see it being open. And so we had a, a grand opening, grand reopening ceremony, and people crowded in to see what was going on in this house of worship, the house of prayer for all peoples is what we called it. And over the course of the next several years, we watched God do incredible miracles in that house of prayer. We wanted to fix it up and put electricity in and put fans in because it got very, very hot in India. So I went to the people who actually own the structure. That was from another church organization, and I went to see the leader of that group. And when he found out that we were affiliated with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he told us to get out of the building. And I thought, that's just tragic. 
Here's over a million people with almost no gospel witness whatsoever, and here we are wanting to share the gospel with people. How could it be? So we prayed that God would somehow change the circumstances so that we could stay in the building if he wanted us to stay there. I'm not so interested in buildings. I'm interested in sharing the gospel. This was the center of town. It was a great evangelistic center. And so I called upon our supporters around the world, prayer partners and financial supporters, please join us in praying on Saturday, December 19th. Pray that God would change the circumstances. And much to my surprise, he did. The manner in which he changed circumstances, I would never have expected because one, two, three days after our day of fasting and prayer, the bishop of that church died. And the new bishop came in and I went to see him. After speaking with him for some time, he agreed that we could use the church. We could open it. We could use it as an evangelistic center. And I was thrilled. And so he said, go talk to our property manager, and we'll, we'll get the, a document drafted so that you can fix the church up and make it look nice. So I went to see that man, and he said, well, we'll we're happy to put something together. And he said, come back next month, and we'll work out the details. So I came back the next month to work out the details, and he said, well, you'll have to come back next month. So I came back the next month, and he said, well, you'll have to come back next month. And that went on for two years. And for two years, we sat there uh, on the floor, cross-legged, Indian style, worshiping God in a building that really needed to be renovated with no lights, no electricity, and a lot of perspiration. And finally, after two years, the man said, I want you to get out of my office, and I want you to get out of our church. And I said, I'm sorry, did I do something wrong? He said, no, just get out. And I realize now that the gentleman was looking for me to give him a bribe, but I wasn't willing to do that. So there again, I asked our prayer partners from around the world, please join me in praying. I don't know what to do. I don't have to be in this building, but it's the center of town. It's a great evangelistic center. God, if you want us to be in this building, you're going to have to change this man's heart. And so we set a date for our global support team to pray with us and unite in prayer that God would change this man's heart or that he would show me what I'm supposed to do other than being in that building. And so we prayed. And then, as with the earlier experience, one, two, three days later, That man, the property manager for that church, had a heart attack. He didn't die, but he did have a heart attack. And I went to see him in the hospital, and he had all the tubes and wires hooked up to him. And when he saw me come in, he sat up in bed and he said, I'm so glad you've come. I know that if you pray for me, God will heal me. And as soon as I get out of the hospital, I will sign those papers. So we prayed, and God healed him, and he got out of the hospital, and he did sign those papers. And it was just amazing. We began fixing up the building, and that's a whole other story in itself, but I'll just tell you, friends, we rebuilt and reconstructed that church. It was beautiful. By the time we were done, we had electricity, we had carpets on the floor, and we had a beautiful veil over the altarpiece. When opening night came, we had standing room only and actually had people climbing over the walls to try to get into the church to see what was going on. It was beautiful. And I shared how Jesus Christ has the power to change our lives to set us free from sin and and to give us peace and joy and hope. 
and many, many people left that night just filled with gratitude that they were able to be there. And we shared with them the book, The Gospel of John in Hindi. And I was so thankful. For six years, we were able to open that church and thousands, literally thousands of people who had never heard the gospel, never heard the good news of the plan of salvation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on Calvary for their sins, they were able to hear that for the first time and go away with a piece of literature. Now, in our town, many people didn't know how to read, but that didn't matter because I knew that they would take their Gospel of John or the book of Proverbs or the book of Psalms or one of the other books that we shared with them. They would take it home and they would give it to their child who was in school. And that child would sit around the fires at night with their parents and read the Gospels to them. And the whole family could learn of Jesus. What a beautiful experience. I'd like to invite you to share that experience. I'd like to invite you to consider Frontier Mission Service. There are still thousands, no, millions of people who've never had an opportunity to know of Jesus Christ and His love. And we're praying, earnestly praying, that God will raise up missionaries from the people who are hearing my voice right now. That's you, dear friend. Would you please consider becoming a Frontier Missionary? Please contact us at 1-800-937-4236. The number again is 1-800-937-4236. Alternatively, you can go to the World Wide Web and look us up at afmonline.org. That's afmonline.org. Looking forward to hearing from you, friend. God bless you. Thank you. The mission field needs people like you to keep spreading the word of God, especially to those who have never heard the good news of Jesus and will never hear unless someone goes to tell them. If you or someone you know are feeling called by God, don't hesitate. Give your life in mission service today. For more information, point your browser to afmonline.org and select Get Involved.